So in a culture where the car is really dominant, being a cyclist can make it feel like you're a second-class citizen. And if you already feel invisible in society because of your identity, because of who you are, because of the way you look, it may seem odd that you would opt for more of these othering experiences by choosing to cycle. Especially if you then also don't see yourself represented in the cycling culture or don't feel like you're part of the wider cycling community. Most studies that look into different social groups and cycling tend to focus on the barriers. But how much do we actually know about the different experiences of underrepresented groups who do cycle? How much do we know about the experiences of women of colour who cycle, for example? And I know that they do cycle. I know we do because I am one myself. I am Dulce Petroso and I live and I ride my bike in Bristol. I got a grant through the Active Travel Academy Justice In and for Active Travel Initiative uh, for researching this topic for my master's. So what I did for my research was to get myself and my bike on the train and I traveled to different parts of the country to ride with and talk with nine women who all identify as women of color and for whom cycling is a big part of their lives. I feel very privileged to have been able to talk to these women who are all very impressive and influential in different ways, whether that is as ride leaders, as social media influencers and cycling advocates or cycling industry insiders, or just as friends and family encouraging other people to ride more. So what you're about to hear is the first of a two-part mini-podcast put together from the conversations that we had back in May. I recorded these conversations while we were riding our bikes, so... The sound quality isn't always great and unfortunately you won't be able to hear everyone I spoke to. But if you're interested in the research and uh, want to find out more, you can always reach out to the Active Travel Academy or find me on Instagram. In this first part, you will hear how Sahir, Vera, Mildred, Tina, Susan and Sidra got into cycling and the role cycling now plays in their lives. You will hear about the impact of cycling-friendly infrastructure, different community projects and initiatives, cycling clubs, and as family, friends and partners have had on their cycling. You can also start to get a sense of the way cycling has been represented in the mainstream as a largely masculine, often white and middle-class sporty activity, which may make it trickier to those who don't see themselves in this image than to identify as a cyclist. But I hope you will also take away the positivity and joy in these conversations. And I love how these women are talking about how cycling has given them confidence and mental resilience and voice. I really enjoyed recording these conversations and I hope that you enjoy listening to them.
so this route it eventually leads on to um, a route called Route 66, which is a really long route in Bradford, which takes you from from just nearby here, essentially all the way. I think you can get into Leeds from it. Okay. And so a lot of people yeah. use it to travel into Leeds. Um, I usually just stop at Saltaire, which yeah. is an area of Bradford that's really nice. Um, I don't think we'll get there today because it takes a bit a bit longer to get there, but. Um, I, I've only started using it, like I said, in the last few months, and I just love it because there's a separation <laughs> between, like... There's a separation between car and cyclist, yeah. which makes me, as a beginner, feel really safe. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I know that I'm protected yeah. by, the, by the infrastructure. Yeah. Um, but it's really good like if, if i if i had to recommend someone a route i definitely start them off here and you know you can get as far as uh, shipley saltaire leeds it gives you it's a lot a really long route um yeah like getting thrown into a road makes me quite nervous so um I, cause you, you don't have the additional pressure of having to think as hard of the dangers when there's a separation yeah right. you still have to be aware but yeah you know that there's that barrier yeah yeah which yeah for a beginner this is just perfect yeah it's really comfortable it doesn't feel like you're on the road really does it yeah yeah, yeah. when i was younger i used to only cycle very rarely when i when i'm younger i mean about um, eight or nine. I'm only I'm 20 right now. Yeah. But when I was younger, I used to cycle very occasionally, just on my street. You know, as kids do, up and down the street. Yeah. Um, but I never really branched out. Um, and it was only this last October, in lockdown, where I decided to update my bike. Yeah. Um, and then it was in November where I found out about this opportunity in Bradford, yeah. um, which is called Jump. Um, and it's basically, it's like a project that's created by the Bradford Youth Service, um, and it's a project to train up 16 to 25 year olds to become sports and leadership coaches okay. uh, sports and activity leaders yeah. um, so I started doing that in November yeah. I'm still doing that yeah. that should like at the moment we're just in the final stages of our training yeah. and with that I told them that my area of interest was running and cycling yeah. so they provided me loads of opportunities to be able to practice um, and this summer we're going to do our British cycling course okay. um, so that should be really good so doing that with them has given me the opportunity to be able to pick up cycling I don't think I would have known where to start if I did it myself because yeah. it's quite a big area isn't it and I was just always so nervous when I saw cycling people cycling on the road it always seemed to me like something that people who are experienced or or more of a higher class did because it's expensive like buying all the equipment and yeah. where do you get the lessons from and I could cycle but I wasn't just going to go out on the road by myself yeah. so it always seemed to me something that people of a different like, class did it yeah. so being able to uh, work with jump it's made me realize that you know anyone can do it yeah. um, and it's just yeah it's just a lot of fun yeah yeah yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's always something that I knew it was available to me, but I just didn't know how to access it yeah. um, in a safe way. Yeah. I always felt a bit too nervous <laughs> getting into it, but, but like the project that I do with the youth service, that's allowed me to have the opportunity to, to practice it, yeah. which is really good. Would you now consider yourself a scientist? Yeah, yeah, I would, because... Because... Because I, I do it for, 
I do it for pleasure, but also I'm trying to work to do it for more than pleasure. Yeah. For, for, for fitness and for, for transport. And yeah, I would consider myself a cyclist. Yeah. But whenever I label myself as something like cyclist or runner, I feel like it comes with expectations to be extremely good at it. And I shouldn't, but whenever I tell people that I run or I cycle, I always say, oh, I, but it doesn't mean I'm good at it, but I do it. Yeah. But I should just, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I should just say, yeah, I do it. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm not the fastest or <laughs> not the most experienced, but yeah, I'm trying to work on that at the moment. Yeah. Like, I don't have a lot of gear. <laughs> like, I have my bike, I have my helmet, and that's, I have a lock and that's about it. I don't, I don't have like loads of like cool clothes or, you know, I, this is the main only bike I've had that has been like my adult life. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like it comes with some expectations of if I turn up somewhere, you know, I feel like I'm the most basic one. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it doesn't really matter. And I want to, that's why I want to show people that, you know, you can just cycle, you know, be an Asian girl, I'm British Pakistani, so you can just, like, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, you can just, you can just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, initially I joined a club, so cycling on my own is quite a new thing to me. Yeah. And I'm okay. still getting used to it. Yeah. So yeah, initially I, I just rode a tandem yeah. with my partner. Oh, yeah. um, we'll go on the, actually no. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah, let's just go on the path for now. Yeah, so I got into cycling well, through riding a tandem. Okay. That was sort of my way into it. Yeah. And then I bought my first sort of solo road bike yeah. in 2018, three years ago. Uh -huh. And that was like, okay, I want to start like seeing how strong I am on my own, first of all, because I did know like my partner was carrying a lot of my weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I knew I wasn't very fit or strong, so he had to work twice as hard. So yeah, so got it on my own. I joined a club because I wanted to cycle with people and also not get lost. <laughs> Yeah, so joined the cycling club um, and just went on club rides and things like that. Um, and it's only since like lockdown that I started going out on my own because I couldn't go out with people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it still remained much the same. I think it's, for me, finding community. Um, we're gonna go across. Okay. So if you just go here and then we'll go behind the cones. So what would you say like the impact of cycling has been in your life? Um, impact of cycling. You kind of touched on it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's like the building new relationships with people. Yeah. And it's like giving me a bit of a, I guess, a sense of belonging. I didn't really do much cycling before, but like I found a lot of good people I get on with. Yeah. Not necessarily because of like cycling, but yeah. it's just like... It's been great for that community. Um, yeah. And I think the biggest bit for me is the mental resilience, I think. Yeah. That's the impact it's had. It's like just the pushing up the hills and the tough bits of it. <laughs> it's, it's like one of the toughest things I've like <laughs> been doing. Do you call yourself a cyclist now? Do you, do you have to identify as a cyclist? Yeah. 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 I think like... And that's quite recent, really. I think in the last few months, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm a cyclist. Yeah. I always call myself an aspiring cyclist. I don't even know what that meant, because I thought, like, cyclist means, you know, you're, like, 
racing or like uh -huh. quite serious about it. You're in Lycra, you're like, you know. And you're in Lycra. I am now. <laughs> so maybe that's why I'm like, I don't call myself a cyclist. But like, you know, my commuting, I don't commute on this sort of bike. Yeah, yeah. I was on my basket bike and I, uh, what's happening here? It's on his phone. Pretty awful. Yeah, I was on my basket bike and looked like the queen, so yeah. didn't feel like well, maybe I'm not a cyclist, but I'm on a bike. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I think I call myself a cyclist. Yeah. Now. But yeah, I mean, in terms of this this particular path as well, there's a I have a lot of um, I have a lot of love for it. Um, a lot of memories in terms of getting into cycling for the first time. Yeah, on this path. Yeah, it was uh, it was always such a convenient way to kind of get out on the bike. You know, I think that's why a lot of people love it. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, sort of starting out when I think, yeah, the first time I ever did it, I uh, was driven to Warmly. We left the car in the car park there yeah. and I rode to Bath and back. Yeah. And I remember being in so much pain at the end. <laughs> and I remember seeing like when you're approaching that, um, when you're approaching the, the crossing by the warmly waiting room, yeah. I could see it and I was just like, oh my God, the car is just there. <laughs> it's gonna be so good, I could stop. And sort of going from that to this being like a sort of, sometimes if I just feel like I wanna get out and ride quickly for a couple of hours, it's just like, I'll just nip out to Bath and back and then, yeah. and then get on with my day. It's like this, this path has probably seen quite a lot of progress. Yeah. In that respect. And like when I first started riding on like a drop bar bike, yeah. which I found terrifying. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I first did it here because it was it was easy to stop. Yeah. You know, it was all flat and you could see where you were going and there was nothing unexpected. Yeah. And like the same when I when I first clipped in. I, I came down here with my with my clippy shoes, yeah. swapped shoes, swapped pedals, and then just like had like kept going, sort of stopping at every lamppost and just saying, when I get to that lamppost, I'm going to unclip and stop. When I get to that lamppost, I'm going to unclip and stop. Did you fall off? No, I didn't. I think I, I genuinely think it's because I did it that way. That's that, kind of working. Yeah, like I just embedded it, and it became easy. Not to say I've never fallen off. I have. It just took a few yeah, years yeah, for it to happen. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it relates to many, many aspects of it because it's it's my job yeah i i'm a writer and i write for a cycling publication so i write news about cycling and i write how-to kind of features about cycling i write reviews of cycling products so and you know that involves having to go out and cycle as part of work so um that's it's, it's awful you know i just i dread it every day <laughs> no it's great and i'm really really grateful for it um, but yeah, so like it's a big part of my work, um, and it was a it was a kind of it was a career move that meant that I had to actually really um, embed myself in the industry to even really just kind of get get into sorry <laughs> in the middle of something. Um, yeah, like I had to really kind of embed myself in the industry just to kind of get foot in because it's not easy. So. Uh, so there's that, and then my 
my love of cycling actually is very tied up in my relationship, which is a bit weird. Um, but it was my, my partner when I met him. It was him who got me into cycling in the first place. Yeah. I was commuting at that point. Yeah. But it was just a way to get from A to B, whereas he got me cycling to Bath and yeah. um, and then going further afield and, and trying new types of bikes and trying mountain biking. And he's he's a really big cyclist and it forms a huge part of what we do together. Yeah. So not to say that if I stopped cycling we wouldn't have a relationship, but it would be very changed. No, I don't. It would be very changed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that marks up a really big part of my life, I guess. And, and then also, um, okay. the, uh, probably about 95% of my friendship groups come from cycling as well. Because I, very shortly after I started seeing my partner, um, he encouraged me to go and volunteer at the Bristol Bike Project. And, um, and Did you I, go there as a customer? No, I was volunteering. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, learning how to refurbish bikes. Yeah. I went there with no knowledge at all. Had no idea how a bike was put together. Yeah. Um, I really genuinely just went because I wanted to hang out with him. Um, and it turned into a real love that I never thought I would have. Um, and it's such an amazing... It's such an amazing... Oh, a bit yeah. <laughs> Not sure which one came first, but definitely both ended up there. Um, but yeah, and like the, the Bright Project just has such an amazing community that I, I've made so many friends there. And as a result, I mean, the majority of my friends are from there. So it's, it's a huge part of my life. Yeah. And then also, just in the most basic way, it's the way I get around. I don't drive. Yeah. We don't own a car. So if I want to go somewhere, I have to go on my bike. Yeah. So it's it's my yeah it's my work, it's my play, and it's my transportation. Yeah. So, no, I mean, uh, I was going out with a cyclist and, you know, we used to put the bikes on the roof of his car and, uh, most weekends and go off, which was lovely, go yeah. all over the place. And then he, he was a teacher, so we always did really exciting things in the summer holidays. Yeah. And he just said, do you fancy this? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And the, pl the planning for it was fabulous. I remember lying on the carpet, looking at the maps and, well, we could stop here, because up there. Yeah. So the whole, so it was, it was well geared up even before I got in the saddle, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, and it was, it's one of the best things I've ever done in terms of resilience, so in yeah. terms of personal growth, having to rely on somebody because I'm quite an independent person. Yeah. Um, and, and just in, and then the kindness of people, yeah. yeah. Yes, I don't know if I did say yesterday, but um, it was it was 1991, I think, that we did it. Yeah. And, and uh, we, we couldn't set off sometimes till four in the afternoon because the tarmac was melting. That was how hot it was. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And going across the fourth bridge, um, you know, just, just such moments of, and, and then going to um, Durham Cathedral, that was spiritual. It was just we just sat in that grounds amongst the veneer, not veneered, uh, venerable saints, 
just wonderful, yeah. yeah. And we saw the Northern Lights and we got, I've seen them before. I went to Isle of Skye and saw them there. Yeah. And I was sitting up the, at the top of the island looking out to sea thinking you can't have traffic lights out to sea. And it was the Northern Lights just bobbing up and down, you know, it was just I'm like, whoa. Um, and then when we, we were camping at that time, we just came out of the tent and there was three sheets of white light. There's three, just, you know, stunning. I didn't know you could see them in the UK. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's been like, when we went to, we set off from Land's End, uh, and we chose and we wanted to go that way, you know, and because London is going to see in park itself now. Yeah. But we saw the Milky Way, we saw it in Egypt together, and then we saw it there because of the lack of light around there, you know. So that was a wonderful start to the cycle to see that, yeah. Yeah. This is um, lots of traffic at this time. You would think, having started work early, yeah. that you would avoid the traffic, but you don't. No, you don't. No. You still get all the traffic. Still get all the traffic. Um, but I think, well, at least I'm I'm doing something that's green. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just do all of those. Yeah. At least I'm I'm engaging in something healthy and green, even if I'm stuck for a while. Yeah, so. So I grew up in Bermuda. That's where I'm from. Um, it's a British territory there, and they have these lovely railway trails. So Bermuda used to have a railway service that was discontinued maybe 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, and then it was just paved for pedestrians and cyclists and equestrian lovers to enjoy. So. Growing up as a family, we'd actually cycle along these gorgeous trails almost daily just for exercise. And it was my dad that taught me like how to cycle and how to cycle safely, I think, hopefully. <laughs> um, and we don't have a light here either, so we're just going to have to yeah. keep an eye out. But yeah. I came here for university because with it being a British territory, it's sort of easier to study here. I don't have to pay yeah. international fees. Yeah. Um, and then I met my husband and then I got stuck here. Yeah, <laughs> so, so nothing on these gorgeous... Oh, gosh. Nothing quite like the railway trails of Bermuda. But... I'm tempted to go. Yeah, we're just gonna have to risk it. And then this is gonna be dreadful. I hope that someone's reported this. Because this is this is an accident waiting to happen. So we're gonna take this little um, thing off. We'll go that way. I think when my husband and I realized we were gonna be together for life, yeah. we had this sort of do we live in Leicester or do we live in his hometown, which is Grantham? But clearly I won that argument. <laughs> um, and it's good because Leicester is a lot better for cycling, even though it's not something that he did every day before he met me. Mm -hmm. It's now something that he does do every day, now having met me. <laughs> so I've spread the cycling fever, as it were. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I've heard it's often the other way around, mm. that the male partner convinces mm. the female partner. No, cool, that's me. <laughs> it's like, this is how we're going to roll, man. I know, I think I'm going to do the same because it's really warm. Yeah. We got lucky. Okay. 
so yeah I think it was it was sort of just one of those things that we did as kids I mean I had quite an unconventional childhood so I was homeschooled mm-hmm. um, and so that means I was taught at home by my mum I'm the eldest of four kids so mm-hmm. we had quite a clan yeah. um, and I gosh I remember cycling but I must have been like four or five just really small with what we call in North America training wheels I think yeah. here they're called stabilizers yeah um, I had training wheels yeah. fell loads of times um, but once I was up and running I, I like I, I just I couldn't stop um, and then because I was homeschooled we obviously had to have an element of PE and for our family cycling was yeah. PE uh-huh. and I yeah I mean I have to be honest there were loads of times where I didn't want to cycle I think yeah. when you're a preteen or a teenager getting up at half six half seven even if it is cycling around gorgeous railway trails it's just not not always the most fun thing to do Um, but my parents sort of encouraged me to persist with it and then I think in college because I I did go to college around 16 when I finished homeschool um, I didn't cycle because I just had so much to do studying wise and I lived close to the college so I didn't need it for a commute and then I came to university here and I just I, I was spending so much money on Uber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like late for my lectures and I was just thinking, oh my goodness, I think because Bermuda's so small, it's like a mile wide and it's 20 miles long and everything is just like really close to each other. Um, and then coming here, everything felt like so far apart. And so for me, it was just like so easy to impulse order an yeah. Uber because I was like, I don't know, it could be like a world away. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that clearly was not sustainable. Um, and so I actually, where I lived in my halls was next to, or it became next to an Evan cycle shop. They opened up soon after I started uni. Very convenient. Uh, very, very convenient. And because I was sort of bad with money, <laughs> And I was like, oh, new shiny thing. And I just went in and I was like, I, I want to maybe cycle to university. You know, if you could recommend me a bike. And they're like, we've got loads of options. And <laughs> you could add bikes. zeros and take zeros away. I mean, we've got every price option as well. So that's how I ended up with this one. Um, don't quite know why I chose bright blue, but bright blue it was. Um, why not? <laughs> why not, exactly. <laughs> and I thought actually having a basket would be good for when I'm doing like my Asda shop yeah, or yeah. bringing back books from the library and I said okay well if I could use this at least for half the uber journeys Mm -hmm. then it will pay itself off in a few months Mm -hmm. and it absolutely did and I I started just cycling everywhere not just to lectures but to see friends did use caution so obviously if I was going out for drinks maybe not cycling Um, and definitely got caught because in Bermuda because it's a bit further south like it gets dark quite consistently throughout the year mm. but obviously here it gets dark really early and I remember a couple of times getting caught cycling to uni and then realising it was like pitch black at four o'clock mm. and then like having a harrowing cycle journey home in the dark mm. <laughs> without lights because I didn't know it was going to be dark yeah. so that happens um, but I guess for me cycling was just a way of getting out in the fresh air getting to where I need to be without spending money but also being healthy and um, flash forward seven years that's still the case still doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah you've drunk the Kool-Aid mm, yeah. 100% <laughs> 
the thing with cycling is you can go cycling all day and it's like a day trip it's like you've had you've had a day out of the country and you've gotten away from everything and especially what i found at the time Back behind. oopsie thank you cheers Especially at the time I found um, that if you're out of the house all day, you can't do all the stuff that you feel you ought to do, need to do, yeah. and get you away from it. So I suppose that was more one reason why I got into cycling. And it was, I was cycling, they were a friendly group, but it was all men. Um, and so there's the, they were nice, but a little bit patronizing. I shouldn't really, yeah. <laughs> quite a bit of mansplaining. Yeah. <laughs> By the time you joined the club, already been cycling for a while um so let me see so i no 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 so i just i suppose i've not thought about it no i hadn't really actually tried cycling anywhere at all on my own before i joined them yeah. i just turned up one day with what i thought was um was a, a light fast bike which was a really heavy hybrid with front suspension that was too fast uh, too big for me uh -huh. and I cycled with them and it was the most I can't forget that 30 miles it was the most painful 30 miles Are they all on their carbon bikes <laughs> yeah some yeah on the road bikes also I mean no it was I mean but they were on faster thinner tire you know tires etc and stuff like that also uh -huh. um and especially at, yeah especially with a bike that was just too big because when I bought it from the bike shop I bought it new and I just bought it how they didn't really advise me no no they were just selling a bike weren't they <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that bike shop to anybody I never do now um and like when I got on it and I was riding it and I didn't know any different because obviously growing up as a kid when you ride when you start off with a bike it's too big because the expectation is that you're going to grow into it so <laughs> no <laughs> No, so um, so no. I um, I rode with them for a while, but then after a while, it was it was starting to like get really boring stuff, like ordnance sur survey maps and start working out different routes. And it, but that was a nice little adventure, trying to plan you different routes and stuff like that as well. Right. So how quickly did you then get into like touring and adventures and so the social um, cycling club, they actually cycled from Leicester down to Oxford. Yeah. Um, and I went, yeah, I went along with them one week. You still have your heavy bike at that point. Oh, no, I had, oh, oh, no, I had a road bike at this point. Because uh -huh. I remember the time when I turned up on a road bike and they were just like, oh, you've done so well. And I was just like, just shut up. It's because it's a different bike. They didn't, they just thought I'd gotten fitter and faster, whereas... I was trying to explain to them, I'm a personal trainer and I teach quite a few spin classes a week, but they just saw it as um, I'd gotten faster. So I suppose, um, like with starting from the cycle touring with the social group to Breeze Champions and, and Breeze Rides and the Breeze Champions and Leicester starting up, Leicester Women's Velo, there was one woman in the group, Indy, who... Um, who had cycled from Bordeaux to Narbonne. Um, she'd cycled from Bordeaux to Narbonne in France, so in the south of France. Yeah. And she'd done it like about eight times before or so. Uh -huh. And she came up with this whole idea. She was like, and we're gonna go across here. Yeah. She was like, um, 
I've she's I've got this idea. Why don't we get a whole group of women to cycle across um, France? And especially with the Breeze network, it meant to say that there was like Breeze in Leicester, Leicestershire, or Breeze in Preston, or Breeze. And so there were all these networks all over the place. So you could actually start contacting them, saying we're gonna we're gonna do this women's only cycle group across France. Um, maybe you might you might be interested, or there might be other women riders in your group who would be interested um british cycling weren't interested in it at all because we um she did mention it to them but they weren't interested in it at all but in the first year she got 27 women joining us on a cycle cycle across france or so it was and it was it was really really it was really really good um partly because it was funny watching all these people wondering what are all these women doing because it just must have seemed really odd to them because you get groups of men going out cycle touring but it wouldn't be seen as odd um but you wouldn't normally see groups of women so she started up that and then from that um i started arranging tours in the uk um like coast to coast and coast and castles Mm -hmm. did you want to go sorry coast and coast coast and castles uh, different uk tours or so and so i suppose over a couple of years just starting to build up the confidence to uh, cycle tour so it was quite gradual and there was one woman in the group who she was going to go cycling cycle touring anyway and she was looking for somebody to go touring with her and one of my friends was like well why don't you go with her and I was like well what about my cat and my mum because I'd have to add a cat which I had to rehome so we're going to go left so you can drop down uh, at the drop drop curb or so um So it was, I suppose, just a gradual thing, really. Yeah, just a gradual thing that over a period of time getting used to um, organising tours and cycling, cycle tours and stuff, and then somebody just suggesting, because I wouldn't have... I don't think I would have ever thought of doing it, even though I've been sat sat in my job every day, which was a nice job, but thinking... I'd hate to think that I'm just going to be... I'm not going to get to see other places, but just not realising that it's a lot easier to do than what it actually actually is, really. If that makes sense. Um, so... I've always... Um, I've always cycled. Like, some of my first memories are... Some of my first memories are like when I first learnt to ride and my dad was saying, you hold, I'm, I'm holding it, I promise I'm holding it and he wasn't holding it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but like, you know, I, I remember having a tricycle and, you know, all of those different increments uh, to a bike and then I always rode and then I got to a point where maybe when I was like 10 or 11 I no longer fitted my bike we gave it away and we didn't think about it for like I forgot about cycling for a while um and then my sister who is five years my senior started working and at her work they had a really big so in our local town we had like a bikeathon, mm-hmm. which no longer exists but um and they all used to do it so she bought herself a bike and she would go out cycling um and then for my birthday they got me a bike um 
and she would also use it for cycling to college etc um and so they got me a bike and that that was where i would go out cycling with her and uh, newlands corner where i live was like this big hill um, and she took me out on a ride there once. Okay. Uh, but I used to get quite frustrated because it'd be too cold, it'd be too cold. Yeah. Then you get to the weather where we would be able to cycle and she'd be like, oh, my hay fever's too bad. <laughs> um, so then it kind of fell to the wayside again. And then I got really into running. And then from the running, I, um, after university, I got... I didn't have a job and so I would run and cycle a lot. Yeah. And then I did some uh, clear. Um, see that we're just entering Richmond Park. What? So I got into the idea of, oh, I could do a duathlon. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of where I just started expanding. It's easier to stay together cycling than it is running and you see a lot more. Um, and some of my favourite things are like when I, when we're driving possibly every once in a while and I see a dad and a daughter on bikes and she's coming back from rugby practice and the, the people using it as, you know, their mode of transport, nothing excites me more than that. Um, and if we have a family, that's the sort of life I would like is for all of us to be um, <laughs> cycling because you learn quite a lot. Um, to drive quicker because I was a cyclist because mm -hmm. he was like oh you're you know <laughs> at traffic lights he was like you're really good at tapering your speed and I was like because when I cycle I'm clipped in and I don't ever want to unclip <laughs> um, and you know but he was like you've got good awareness of the road I was like as a bike I'm very vulnerable so uh, do you know what I've definitely found my voice more as, as a cyclist mm -hmm. I was running with a friend um, and someone I can't remember what someone shouted at us and I shouted back and she was like where did that come from and I was like well I've found my voice cycling because I have to shout out to like pedestrians or cars or you know other people to let them know that you're there mm -hmm. you have to be visible whereas in other points of my life I might try and shy away from being seen and try and you know melt into the background yeah. but this is the first time that I've been like no for my own safety I need people to see me um, and then that has translated into um, into yeah life in general and I don't think I had until when we were running and and that was shouted at me and I shouted back and she was like wow and that was my realization of oh okay yeah mm -hmm. um I'm realizing that your voice is actually a really important weapon 
well not a weapon but there is a certain level of importance to your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this recording. And thanks again to the Active Travel Academy, as well as Beryl Bikes, who also sponsored this research. And thank you everyone who took part, who took the time to ride with me and talk with me and let me use these recordings. Keep riding, keep inspiring. In the next part, the conversations will go a bit deeper into the dominant discourses around cycling, gender and race. And I hope you will join us then. <laughs>